0: morning. Today's scripture reading is taken from two sections. The first part is Luke chapter 24 verses 45 to 49. And today I'm reading from the NIV. Luke chapter 24 verse 45 to 49. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witness of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The second reading is from... Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless the reading of his word.
1: So in the spring of 2006, there was a church called the Causeway Coast in Ireland. A tourist uh, came by to visit the church, and the church had a, a prayer ministry where they would pray for the sick. And this person was paralyzed from giving birth and taking the epidural shots, which is normally safe, but for her, she was paralyzed. And so she went and they prayed for healing for her, but nothing seemed to happen. But yet they believed that healing can happen and told her that it could happen in three ways, right Right away, you know, gradually or soon after uh, a person's been prayed for. And a few days later on her way home, she started feeling, having sensations in her legs. And so she told her husband to stop, got out of the car and started walking and then running and she was healed. So the news of this healing obviously spread throughout. And people started coming to their church to get healed. And one of their pastors, uh, the founding pastor of the church named Alan Scott, saw this happening. And, you know, if it was any other, not any other pastor, but you could, any pastor can feel like this is amazing. Our church is growing. All these people are coming to our church. And so this is what we want. But he really felt that this wasn't something that should be kept within the church doors but rather that they should go out. They felt that God was telling them, we need to go out with this gift of the Holy Spirit into the city they were in. So on June seventeenth, two 2006, they went out into their city with a banner that had the reading, Healing, just a healing. And, you know, people started showing up, and within an hour, someone came who had diabetes and was partially blind, asking for prayer. And in front of her family, her sight was restored. This didn't happen in some story from 2,000 years ago. It's not something that we see just in the Bible, but this is something that just happened within the last 20 years in a, in a Western country, civilized country in Ireland. It seems unbelievable because we are so used to maybe not seeing things like that, yet it happened, and he wrote a book about it, and and so on, and that's where I read it. And these kind of stories are amazing, but what it does for me at the same time is it makes me feel inadequate because it's something that I would never do, right? Like, can you imagine... You know, all of us saying, hey, let's, let's get a banner, go to Mel Aspen Square, put up a healing sign, and just wait for people to come, and we'll pray for them. Like, to be honest, I'm, I would be embarrassed a little bit, right? Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want my coworkers to see me out there with this healing sign. Like, I'm one of those cuckoos, you know, that's, that's out there on the streets uh, praying for people or saying, you know, believe in Jesus. And more than embarrassing, what would happen if people started coming and we pray for them and nothing happened? Right? Like I'd just be like, oh, this feels so, you know, like I'm praying for healing and nothing happens. What if that happens? I don't want that. And even this is sometimes how I feel when I read the book of Acts, we see the disciples performing miracles, sharing the messages of, message of Jesus, and hundreds of people coming to know him, to, coming to the faith. Everyone sold their possessions, no one had anything in need. They faced persecution, death, and yet continued to follow Christ. And the book of Acts goes through, goes through this history and the start of the Christian movement and the church and you know, has been called the Acts of the Apostles. That's kind of what is known as, the book. Yet the main theme of Acts isn't what the apostles did necessarily, although they did do a lot. But the main theme of Acts is that all the Acts of the Apostles depended on the activity of the Holy Spirit in the person who the Spirit worked through and in the ones being a minister to. A better title would be Acts of the Holy Spirit more than Acts of the Apostles. The Apostles were only able to act because of the Holy Spirit. Maybe Acts of the Apostles through the Holy Spirit might be a more fitting title. And in our passage today, we see this theme played out in the conversation between Jesus and his disciples. As some of you already know, Luke and Acts are written by the same author, Luke, and can be seen as volume one and volume two, written by Luke. Here we see at the end of Luke and and in the beginning of Acts, Jesus telling his disciples to wait. Luke 24, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city, Acts 1:4, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Why is Jesus telling the disciples to wait? What are, what are they waiting for? They are to stay in the city of Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. It is only once they've received the Holy Spirit they are to be his witnesses. By God's presence, we are sent. As some of you know, since last year, our leadership team of deacons, elders, and pastors have been meeting to discern what is our call, what is Spring Garden called to do for the next foreseeable future, especially coming out of the pandemic. We really wanted to discern what God had in store for us, and from that uh, multiple meetings, there were three things we felt God was calling us to. And the first phrase is, by God's presence. We felt that by God's presence, we are sent. By by God's presence, we belong. And by God's presence, we are renewed. And today, we're going to talk about how by God's presence, we are sent. So this is what we see in the first chapter of Acts. We see Jesus teaching the disciples with an instruction to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come. to come, The disciples' mindset was so narrow that they asked Jesus this question. They said, Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? When Jesus told them to wait for the Holy Spirit, they thought this was to liberate the people of Israel from Roman rule. They were still seeing Jesus as a liberator of their nation only. If we get this gift of the Holy Spirit, we get to benefit. We're going to be on top, not the Romans. Acts seven. he said to them, It is not for you to know the time or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus corrects their perspective with his answer. He first says what he has said in the past, that, no one really knows the end times it's not up to them to know but instead they should focus on this you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem where they were staying and all judea their, their larger province and samaria that's a little weird though samaria cuz samaria was their neighboring half-breed nation that they were you know disgusted with that were their enemies and then to the ends of the earth So it's not that Jesus was sending the Holy Spirit just to liberate the Israelites, but the arrival of the Holy Spirit will lead to the witnessing of who Jesus is, not just in the city, not just with their own people, but beyond their borders to their enemies and to the ends of the earth. The writer of Luke, the writer Luke ends the book of Luke and starts the book of Acts with a similar story to emphasize this point. It is only through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit can we be witnesses and co-workers to God's kingdom on earth. The book of Acts can be actually divided into the stories and acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles and followers of Jesus and can be broken up in this way. So it says, you are my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's Acts chapter 1 to 7. Judea and Samaria is Acts chapter 8 to 11. And then ends of the earth is Acts 11 to 28. If you ever want to, you could go and check to see if that's true. We are sent by the presence of God. The disciples had to wait for the Holy Spirit to come before they were sent out to be his witnesses in their neighborhood and beyond. In the same way, we can only be sent by the Holy Spirit. When I was at a church in Ajax, it was one of my first churches as a youth pastor. And I wanted to start this drop-in basketball program because, first of all, I love basketball. Uh, who doesn't want to do something they love as part of their work, right? So I love basketball. There was a high school right across from our church, and there were some members of some youth in our church who enjoyed basketball. So I told them, hey, why don't you invite your friends that will do a basketball drop-in thing weekly on a Wednesday, right? So I got all excited, got ready for it, and the time came, and no one showed up. So I'm just like, You know how it feels, right, when no one shows up to something. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I was pretty dejected. I still remember in the gym, I was was leaning against the wall looking at the time. It's like half an hour past when we were starting. I'm like, okay, no one's coming. And and I remember sliding down. So dramatic, right? Sliding down on the (laughs) back of the uh, gym wall and sitting down on the ground and then thinking and realizing, you know, I didn't even pray I didn't even ask God to bring people here, right? I just thought I'll start something and people will just show up, you know? And, and, and I spent time praying. And I still remember that moment because it's always a good reminder for me that I need to rely on God for the things I do. I can't just do it on my own. And all the, I think a lot of the times we do not take enough risks What I mean by that is we do things that we know we can accomplish on our own strength. We'll do just enough, we'll raise enough funds that we know we can meet, but we won't go beyond because in many ways we just don't want to fail. And in another way, we want control over the things that we do. But what if we gave space for God to act? If we don't give God an opportunity to act in those moments, then... We're just doing it on our own. I could do it on my own power and not rely on God. Acts one but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The word for power here is dynamis, from where we get the word dynamite. The word can also mean strength and ability. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we will have the power or the strength and the ability to be Jesus's witnesses. This is why the disciples were to wait, and this is why we can only be sent by the Holy Spirit. So then this begs the question, how, how do we get the Holy Spirit? But the Holy Spirit isn't some kind of force of energy that we tap into, but rather is the third person in the Trinity. We believe that the Holy Spirit is God and is the one who is with us, when the Holy Spirit is with us, it is as if the Spirit of Jesus is with us. In fact, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of Jesus on a few occasions and is used interchangeably because the Holy Spirit points to and speaks of Jesus. Because of this, we cannot treat the Holy Spirit as some object of energy where we can draw Strength or or power for, from he's not a power bank to our iPhones, but holy but the Holy Spirit is a person, as much as God can be a person. That is, the Spirit of God is the very presence of God and Jesus within us. And after the disciples received the Holy Spirit and they started speaking in different languages, we know the story in the Pentecost. And Peter stood up and shared the story of Jesus. When, when those who heard the message were convicted and wanted to follow Jesus, they asked the question, like, how do, what do we do next? And listen to what Peter says to them. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, that's us, For all whom the Lord our God will call. When we repent and are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, we all receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul says in Romans, that those who have died with Christ and have raised with him, that is through the experience of baptism, whether it's physical experience or a spiritual experience, we receive the Spirit of God and become the children of God. We become the place where God dwells and as God's temple and the Holy Spirit resides in us. In our baptism in and with and through Christ, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. To me, this is the reason why we get baptized. It's not just a symbol, but the way in which we receive the Holy Spirit. And this isn't the place to talk about whether or not the spirits live in, in us, whether or not we are, uh, it happens exactly at our baptism, or if, if it's something that happens afterwards. There's a lot of different theories around that. But I, I would say that all who, not all who are baptized may have the Holy Spirit, but all who have the Holy Spirit are baptized. And once the disciples received the Holy Spirit, they went out and shared the gospel, That that is, they share the good news of Jesus Christ, who has come and have decided to make his home in us. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to die for us so that we can have the Spirit of God reside in us. I mentioned that the title of Acts could be called Acts of the Holy Spirit through the disciples. What we need to be reminded of is that God is the God of mission. God is the missionary, not us. God is the one who sent his son to die for us. God is the one who sends his angels and prophets and prophetesses. God is, sending, God is ascending God, and God has not stopped coming to us. God is the one that is still going out and calling his lost children to come back home to him. This is God's mission, not ours. He doesn't sit back waiting for us to do the work, but rather God is still active today now out there, but also inviting us to join him as his co-workers in God's mission for the world. And throughout Scripture, we see examples of people who experience the presence of God and then are sent out to do God's work in the world, whether it's Abram or Abraham in Genesis 12 to the story of Isaiah to that of Paul. When people experience God, God comes not only to be with his people, but also to send them out to do God's work on earth. The Hebrew ber- verb to, to send is shalak, and it's found about 800 times in the Old Testament. And out of those 800 times, more than 200 times, the word shalak is used with God as the one who sends. And I just found this out while preparing for the sermon that the word apostle Comes from the word "apostolos," which it's not a biblical word. It's not like a Bible word, but it's a Greek word that means a delegate, a messenger, or one sent forth with orders. Often, this word was used to describe those either generals or people who were sent by Caesar as the sent ones. The apostles were the sent ones of Caesar to establish the Roman culture and his message to the ends of the earth. So when Jesus calls his disciples and sends them, they then become the sent ones of Jesus or the apostles. And that's how we got the title apostles. It's by God's presence we are sent. This is what it means for us to be sent by God's presence. It is recognizing that as followers of Jesus, as you gather in this place to worship, to support one another, and to grow, we're called to go out into the world to join God in what he is already doing in the world. God invites us to this calling and vocation. It is not reserved just for pastors or missionaries or even those super holy Christians, but rather to every follower of Jesus. This is why baptism isn't just a way to get saved. It is a new way of being. Baptism isn't just a way to get saved. It is a new way of being. In the book of faith, in the the book called Faith Goes to Work, Robert Banks speaks about how baptism is more than just about our personal salvation, but rather a new way of being as the people of God in the world. Baptism gives all of us a calling to follow Christ with our whole lives, including our work, our bodies, our families, our passions, everything. Baptism isn't just a way to be saved or to join a community of faith. It is the way in which we receive the life of God in us so, then, so that we can live our lives being his apostles in the world. Meaning serving God again, or what we call ministry, isn't just for pastors or missionaries. It's for everyone who is baptized. Ministry isn't what just happens at the church, but what we do with our whole lives. We don't pay pastors and missionaries so that we don't have to do the work. We do so so that they can support us, equip us, so that we can, as a community, be the people of God. Not in the church building alone, but without. We are the same people of God because when God shows up, when God is present, he sends us to his purposes and mission. Because God is the ultimate missionary. I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels so hard to be a Christian in our city when there's so many around us who aren't. And our culture, that does not seem to care. It's hard enough being a faithful Christian on our own, let alone share who Jesus is with our neighbors or with our coworkers. It's a taboo to talk about your faith at work. But I came across this quote by Alan Scott who shared the story of healing at the beginning of my talk. And just to let you know, though I uh, like what Alan Scott writes, I don't necessarily agree with the way they do everything. I wouldn't maybe have a healing tent set up. I wouldn't be encouraging us to do that. But I think we could still learn a lot about their boldness and how they take the Holy Spirit seriously. They're also a vineyard church when we're Baptist, so that kind of gives you some sense of our differences. Yet, I think we could learn a lot from them. And this is his quote. He says, our cities are not hard to reach. They are just hard to reach when we stay in the building. Our cities aren't hard to reach. It's only hard to reach when we stay within our building." Yes, we are called to gather as the people of God to worship and to encourage one another, but yet we are also called to go and are sent out every Sunday. Our benediction, if you hear and if you pay attention sometimes, I sometimes don't because you know you're so used to the same thing over and over, right? But it's a sending out. We're sending you out into the world, into your workplaces, into your neighborhoods as the people of God in the city of Toronto. We cannot reach our city unless we go out of this building. During this summer, we met as a pastoral team to have a retreat and to pray and discern okay, we have these three themes of, of being renewed, sent, and belong. So, what does that look like for us for Spring Garden? Well, what are some images that would come to us? So, we spent time imagining and praying. And we came with three, and we came up with, we came up, well, through the Holy Spirit, we came to this uh, two images around the theme of being sent. The two images were joyful service and presence within the community. We saw our people serving joyfully in the places that God has placed them. In, in the church or outside the church, we recognize that this can only happen as we get to know how God has gifted us individually, but as a, as a community. And, this, and because of this, we're encouraging you to take the shape assessment or to fill out our, our um, survey that will be coming out soon. So you'll see that in the next couple of weeks. And we experienced some of that. We've already been witness to, to some of this, in seeing our children and families who served this summer, where they were in the city, in the presence of our community, being the people of God. And, we, yeah, and because of that, we believe that we are to be the presence in this community, where we are serving together outside the church building, where we can meet the holistic needs of the community and partnering with other organizations And interestingly enough, this image is very similar to one of our core values that we have. So let me just read you one of our core values. We believe in a God who loves this broken world and wants to reconcile us to himself. Therefore, we are commissioned by Christ to go out into this world, meeting the holistic needs of the local and global community God calls us to participate in a redemptive work that he has already initiated. In humility, we will partner with others to work work alongside and chase after him, and I'll add, with the Holy Spirit. These two images is what we will be working towards in the area of being sent. So we invite you to join us because we are sent by the presence of God. The mission of the church is the mission of God. God is a missionary God who is already in this world, seeking out those who do not know him, who need the love, forgiveness, and redemption and healing of Christ. How might you join God and us in being sent ones in your homes, your neighbors, your workplaces, and the world? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that in Christ, as, as we repent and turn to you, as we, as we surrender our lives to you, Jesus, that you promise the gift of your Holy Spirit. So we thank you that you want to live in us, that you dwell with us as a community And you call us to go out into this world. So Father, we pray for just that recognition and awareness of your presence with us. That you are already going ahead of us and yet you are waiting for us as well. Calling us to join you in what you are doing in this world. But also using us in our own unique ways, whether doctors or or cleaners or or you know full-time uh, caregivers in the different ways you've gifted us and made us you call us to the calling of joining you in bringing your kingdom your peace and love and and the fullness of life into this world so give us courage and give us space for you to act give us the boldness to do more than what we can do on our own so that we can actually rely on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: As Sam spoke about... Sent ones are not uh, just pastors and, and missionaries, but that we are all sent ones. And so the church historically has a practice of commissioning those who are called sent ones. We commission pastors and um, missionaries. But as we are all missionaries, here at Spring, we like to ha- take time to commission everyone. All of us are sent ones, and we like to take time to commission everyone into the places that God has called us, the places that God has called you. For this commissioning, we use the word vocation, uh, and because uh, some of us, our jobs, what we do during the day may not be using what we feel God has created us to be or to do. And so uh, as part of this, uh, and Sam mentioned that uh, banks, the author banks, and, and we have a commissioning that's based off of that, where uh, we invite people to be commissioned into a part of God's character that your vocation looks like. So uh, the question, I guess, for you is, can you identify something that you feel God has created you to do and to be in the world? And if not, that's okay. Perhaps the question then is, do you see how what you do reflects the character of God? Um, we have a description uh, online and uh, there were some handouts at the front. Uh, all good, it worked, although it's way smaller than I thought I'd made it. So if you want to follow, if you want to see or have a copy of this, you can go to tiny.cc slash I-G-I-Z-U-Z and yes, I said Z-U-Z, but uh, also known as Z-U-Z. tiny.cc slash I-G-I-Z-U-Z. Zuz or (laughs) Zuz. I was going to make a joke about my favorite top. My favorite band is uh, from the '80s is ZZ Top. But uh, for those who don't know, the band's name is ZZ Top. But anyway, okay. So I'm just going to, I'm going to read out the descriptions for those of you who don't have phones, and, um, and so Kuhn, what I'm doing now won't uh, be quite this part yet. This is too much information for a screen, so, so just as you, as you listen, if you go, you know what, that's me, then I'll, uh, then, um, well, then great, so, and hopefully you find yourself in one of these. So redemptive work. Redemptive work is God's saving activity, reconciling all things, whether in heaven or on earth. This is whenever anyone speaks up for God, whenever, if you are prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks. Employment that possesses a redemptive, redemptive dimension. So examples of this could be evangelists, church founders, counselors, social workers, engaging in and negotiating host- end hostilities, Mediating divorce cases or other disputes, resolving neighborhood or racial conflicts. Screenwriters, producers committed to developing redemptive motifs. That's redemptive work. Creative work. God's work began long before the incarnation. God's fashioning the physical and human world, the novel and surprising ways that God shapes historical and future events. God continues to work in the world partly through human creative work. So examples of creative work, arts, musicians, painters, sculptors, writers, filmmakers, crafts, potters, metal workers, weavers, you know, you get the idea, architects, builders, gardeners, landscapers, interior design, urban planning, any activity that has a touch of originality or creativity outside of traditional art forms. so housemakers, office workers, factory hands that found ways to grace work with a creative touch. next is providential work it's a full range of what god brings gives and supplies to us all that god does to maintain the universe and human life in an orderly and beneficial fashion conserving sustaining replenishing daily provider so examples are you know bureaucracies run society public utility workers entrepreneurs building businesses creating jobs service occupations and trades, supplying and supporting and fixing and remedying problems, silver servants, housing inspectors, trash collectors, all the things that helps our society and our lives um, to function. Justice work is giving people their fair and equal redress or due, so legislators, government work regulators, judges, attorneys, supervisors, this sort of thing, social activists, minority activists, consumer protectors, uh, and the list can go on. So justice work. Compassionate work, showing compassion as seen as in divinely appointed servant described by the prophets in the Bible. So examples are helping professions, so doctors, nurses, paramedics, psychologists, therapists, home visitors, uh, and on and on. Dentists, did I hear someone say dentists? Revelatory work is the last one. So God is the one who enlightens others about truth, revealing, enlightening, educating activity of God that seeks to bring truth and wisdom to others. So examples of this are preachers, professors, teachers, writers, commentators, journalists, parents, humorists, cartoonists, So these are kind of the broad categories. And so if you find yourself in one of these, um, what I'm going to do is we're going to, I'm going to invite, if you are able uh, and and would like to, when I, for each one, I'll invite you to stand if you find yourself in this, if you end, if you are uncomfortable with standing, because I know that can be uncomfortable for some of you, feel free to stay seated and just you know, perhaps put your palms up or, or even just inwardly receive um, the blessing of this commissioning. And so I'll go through each one and I'll give you an opportunity to stand and to be commissioned into your vocation. If you don't find yourself, if you don't see how you sit in any of these, I perhaps receive the blessing for all of them. I don't know. It's fine. So a redemptive work. So now Kuhn, we're ready for that. If you feel called to redemptive work, please, uh, again, stand if you're able or comfortable. Um, Perhaps place your hands open, palms up. We believe in God who is actively reconciling all things in heaven and earth to himself. Do you accept your redemptive vocation as an expression of God's image in you? Do you commit yourself to pursue your redemptive vocation as an offering to God? With God's help, we do. And if you feel called to creative work, please stand if you're able and comfortable. And uh, perhaps place your hands open, palms up, but it's all symbolic. And so um, do what is most true to you. We believe in God who created all things that is and all that will be. Do you accept your creative vocation as an expression of God's image in you? Do you commit yourself to pursue your vocation as an offering to God? With God's help, we do. I think you can be seated. If you feel called to providential work, please stand if you're able or comfortable. We believe in God who continues to sustain the universe and to provide our daily needs. Do you accept your providential vocation as an expression of God's image in you? Do you commit to pursue your providential vocation as an offering to God? With God's help, we do. Thank you. If you feel called to justice work, Again, please stand if you're able or if you're comfortable. We believe in a just God who brings fairness and equity to his judgments. Do you accept your justice vocation as an expression of God's image in you? Do you commit yourself to pursue your vocation as an offering to God? With God's help, we do. Thank you. If you are called to compassionate work, please stand if you are able or feel comfortable. And, oh wow, we are a compassionate uh, community here. We believe in God whose loving kindness never fails for he is filled with compassion for the poor and the marginalized and the sick and the broken. Do you accept your compassionate vocation as an expression of God's image in you? Do you commit yourself to pursue your compassionate vocation as an offering to God? With God's help we do. Thank you. And finally, if you feel called to revelatory work, please stand if you are able or feel comfortable. We believe in God who reveals himself to us, bringing us to deeper wisdom and understanding of truth. Do you accept your revelatory vocation as an expression of God's image in you? Do you commit yourself to pursue your revelatory vocation as an offering to God? With God's help, we do. And for all of you, if uh, you want, as a symbol of receiving the blessing, uh, you're welcome to uh, place your hands, palms up, but um, only if you're comfortable. May the Lord express his action and character through your vocation. May he use our many and varied vocations to lift us beyond ourselves and our needs to provide and care for others. May you always see your vocation as participation in God's work in the world. And in this, I bless you in the name of Jesus, who lives and reigns with God the Father and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen.